Welcome to KJ and Shim Sham. We are recording on Easter Sunday. Oh my goodness. The Easter Bunny has risen. She has risen. Well, (laughs) here's what happened. So, the Romans killed Jesus. Ah, yes. And everyone was pretty bummed. So, Esther the Bunny, she's like... God, this place is like a buzzkill. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to hide some fucking eggs and cheer these bitches up. And she painted them and she got she got the kids involved. Everyone was involved. And then Jesus was like, well, I want to play. So he fucking rose from the dead. <laughs> And that, and therefore, Zombie Jesus Day was officially recognized from the year 2000 and negative whatever. Yeah, and then just like <laughs> over the years, people stopped saying Esther and it just slowly became Easter. Oh, oh, yeah. oh my yep. goodness. I'm pretty sure that is the correct historical documentation. That's in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible according to Esther. Um. Exactly. She doesn't get enough credit and she's still alive. No. (laughs) She's still kicking. Yeah, she lives in the Hamptons. Ooh, fancy bitch. Yeah, well she's, she, I mean she invented Easter. (laughs) (laughs) She Well, speaking of Esther, I wanted to start us off with a daily tarot card uh, to just sort of get us in the mood to chat today. So today we have the Four of Wands. And let me show you this card here. Let me hold it up to the camera. This one's actually really beautiful. Look at this fabulous queer like love ceremony. Are you able to Ooh, see that? Ooh, and I love wands, you know, magic. Yes. Beautiful. The four of wands. And the four of wands is actually really interesting because it's basically hard work or something that you have fought for paying off in a really big way. So okay. some some of the efforts or work you're putting into and obviously when we're talking about queer people, we're talking about activist work. We're talking about authentic living work, being yourself, living life fully, being as happy and queer as you possibly can. I think that definitely we are we're in a time where there are a lot of people trying to turn that turn that off to try Ugh. to try to try to make that terrible for us. And to be honest with you, the beautiful thing about it is that no matter what they do, we're still here and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> uh. Well, is there any more about the Four of Wands? Yes. So here, let me read because, uh, again, we are using Cassandra Snow's book. I really enjoy it. I'll make sure I link it again. Yeah. Um, I was trying Thank to find. You, Cassandra. Thank you so much. They are wonderful. And Loyal listener of the show. Of course. I should actually actually tag them one of these days Uh, (laughs) so there are so actually it's really funny because remember how i was talking uh about uh so the ones are very big on communication and then this exact line i joke about queer lady processing quite a bit uh, (laughs) which we were talking about earlier um but it is a thing and these these three are pretty positive cards regarding that so they usually uh link cards together in like mini suits so this is the two three and four of wands and the four of wands showing up talking about communication it's time to start enacting resolutions or expected resolutions from hard conversations you may have had or conversations you're planning to have so oh. if so if you've got some hard conversations coming up or have recently really gone through some pretty major processing about things now it's time to figure out like where are those resolutions coming from how are we go how are we enacting next steps how are we oh. taking the next steps from talking about it to doing something about it okay so just a little something for your day everybody which i'm completely well aware this episode is going to be going up right around my birthday probably so happy, oh, birthday, happy birthday to birthday. me oh. oh my goodness which is actually um she's so- finally 18 oh, she can vote <gasps> 
oh, I'm so ready to vote for Barack Obama for the it's first time. It's not as exciting as you think. No, it's, that it's was so crushing. That was that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely like that was the energy because my first election was in 2008 my first major election and yeah it was like we are vo- we are voting Barack Obama um <laughs> you know that was a fun time to be turning 18 and to be able to vote because it was exciting and it seemed like the good guys were winning and then we found out that while they are not necessarily bad guys sometimes the good guys also don't have all the answers <laughs> Oh, or sure are willing to put in the effort to do the right thing. <laughs> and that brings me into my uh, segment. Mm. Uh, mm. I think we need to get some shit off our chest. Mm. We're mad. We got to get this We're off our chest. We're going on almost year. Well, definitely. Two, yeah. So definitely uh, beginning of year three of the pandemic. Mm. The memories. <laughs> yeah. It's the start. So I know it's only been two years, people, but it's like beginning of the third year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and yeah. we're angry. We've got a lot of anger. So we just got to get some shit off our chest. Ugh. Okay. You know where we're going to start? Where are we going to start? We're going to start with Jesus fish. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. I'm driving and I see, and I'm sorry, a Jesus fish can only mean fuck you. I am so Christianly. <laughs> I mean, what is what is the point of a Jesus fish, KJ? I mean, give me insight as a devout Catholic, <laughs> as a fallen Catholic. As it is, were. it Catholic? Who even puts no, a Jesus so fish on their car? A lot of the, a lot of the people I know who had Jesus fish on their car were people who were Christian in some way, shape, or form. Yes, obviously, because that is the faith. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's symbolic of when. Jesus fed the crowds with only a few fish and loaves of bread. Um, oh, and also, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> yeah, um, it's probably symbolic of other things, but that's how I always understood it. Okay. And, and then I walked away from the faith, so any and all other other information has officially left my brain. But uh, I, it really is. It's a way. It's just like anything else. When you put when you put a decal on your car or vehicle or water bottle or whatever you're putting your stuff on. Have you seen a Jesus fish on a water bottle? I mean, I've seen I've seen a Jesus fish on a lot of things. I've seen them on keychains. No, I have seen them on shirts. Stop I it! Seen, I mean, you know, I used to go to Christian youth events. You like, did not. <laughs> oh, I sure did. Oh, I sure did. Oh my, oh, my God. goodness! And you know what? They're and pretty she's gay. Still, they're she's they're pretty st- gay. <laughs> oh my! Uh, anyway, I just and you know why I think the Jesus fish enraged me to bring mm. me into the next thing I need to get off my chest. Mm. Um. The the question of what church do you go to? <laughs> Just the automatic question of who are you dating? Woman only. And <laughs> forced heterosexuality and forced homogeneity of religion. <laughs> Just You know, I think young people, I think we are a little bit more enlightened. I don't think, I think it's the older generation. I've been asked this multiple times, what church do you go to? And I'm just like, why would you ask some... First of all, religion is deeply personal to people. Yes. It is interesting when it becomes small talk, isn't it? Because at, just like you said, it is it is a major part of of what people believe about themselves and how they, how they see the world and what they believe about the world. And it is wild that anybody would think it's a good idea to ask that question. I think... Honestly, I feel like, uh, well, we, you and I are very spiritual people. I love, I love rituals. I love, um, what's the other word for traditions? I love all that crap. (laughs) But, um, but Christianity does have a long history of misogyny, racism, homophobia, um, What's the word for hating the other religions? (laughs) I don't know what it is, but they have a long history of, like, I don't know if you've heard of the Crusades. Uh, (laughs) Ooh, now that was a time to be alive. So Christianity, since it's been around for so long, (laughs) it has baggage. Baggage. It has a lot of baggage. And it's also been, like you said, it's been used as an instrument to hold people down and creates a lot of legitimately traumatic experiences for uh, for 
uh, queer people for people who don't immediately fit in with what that religion is trying to say. And I mm-hmm. think there's varying degrees of that. I think some people leave their religion. They're like, it wasn't for me. I didn't feel good about it. It didn't make me feel comfortable. It didn't make me feel good about myself. And I left. And then other people's le- people leave because they legitimately felt forced out. They felt like they weren't welcome there. And they felt like the experiences that they had were negatively impacting them in a major way. Hi, hello, that's me. Um, so that was beautifully said. <laughs> oh, it was. I'm, I, it really was. Um, but so what? What was I gonna say? You go. Oh, I think what the the point we're trying to make here is that while we are not anti-religion as an entity, we are anti-religion being a forced upon anybody we are anti-religion being utilized as a tool for control or a tool for holding people down or for damaging or traumatizing anybody and unfortunately asking people what church they belong to is a question (laughs) that you don't know that person's history it's like asking them like are you on a diet do you work out like all of those questions they're invasive they're incredibly Mm. personal and Frankly, unless I know you like that, that is none of your business. Exactly. Truly. Oh, my. I, I think just knowing that history of. And that's I think that's got to be. I mean, you're in Minnesota. I'm in Wisconsin. I think these are two states where every town has a bar and a church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and those are your two favorite places to frequent in all of the land. <laughs> Saying something. <laughs> These people, (laughs) they go to church. And does it solve all their problems? No. So they are then going to brunch at the bar to have a Bloody Mary. So (laughs) I... I... I have a story. I don't know if I've told you this before. Oh, tell me. I may have told you. So recently, one of the lifeguards, I work at the YMCA. I am one of their group exercise slash group. I like to think of them as group movement classes because I don't like to talk about fitness and exercise. Like a lot of it is range of motion movements, especially my water classes, range of motion. And like, let's strengthen up the core. Let's make sure that we know how to like move if we're feeling tightness in our back, blah, blah, blah. All of that. I like to talk about a lot of that in my classes. I'm engaging my PC muscle right now. Oh my goodness. I'm doing it right now. Um, And for those who don't know, that is a Kegel. (laughs) (laughs) Kegel is more fun to say. Um, And the lifeguard was, was we, we were talking about some of the ways in which certain participants have a habit of pushing their religion on other people. Um, And (laughs) there were two women in the... I just like the idea of someone drowning uh, and someone blowing the whistle and be like, everybody out of the pool. And then they dive and they're like, what church do you go to? (laughs) That's exactly how it happened. How did you know? No. So there were after classes over a lot of the water participants like to go get in the whirlpool, the hot tub to kind of, you know, like loosen up a little bit before they go get out of their swimming stuff and take a shower, all of that. And there were two individuals who were wearing, uh, they're wearing hijabs and (laughs) This participant comes up to them and they also were not white. They were Somali. And this participant starts doing that thing that white people do when they think that people who don't speak English as their first language don't understand them. She starts shouting very loudly at them. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world? That did not happen. Oh, it sure did. No. And like, I wasn't there. It is technically hearsay and conjecture, but I don't think that this uh, this particular lifeguard is lying to me. This lifeguard's also queer. And I remember this lifeguard telling me, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I, because I was like horrified, but also... I don't get paid enough to get into that kind of an altercation. And I was like, oh, it's a good thing I wasn't there because I probably would have been like, hey, that's not okay. That's inappropriate. You don't get to tell people like, oh, so that's when we're talking about seeing a Jesus fish, that's the type of stuff that comes up for me and probably for you. I'm not speaking for you, but that's those are the type of situations that are near and dear to my experience that are very hard for me to like remove myself from. And that's why when somebody asks me, hey, do you want to come to church with me? I'm like, why are you attacking me? (laughs) It's like an immediate like. Oh, that is such an aggressive question. Do you want to come to church with me? No, I don't. I'm not interested in joining your cult. 
today, but try me in a week because I am very susceptible to persuasion. That's that addict brain at work. I am I am a perfect cult member. I'm involved. I'm volunteering. I don't always want to go, but I go. We might have to cut this next part, but what she's describing is AA. Uh- <laughs> it's true. Oh my oh, goodness. It's not a cult. It's, it's wonderful. No, it's beautiful. It it's wonderful. Tens of people. <laughs> it has helped. <laughs> it has helped at least your fingers and your toes worth of people. Yeah. Um, it has it, helped at least five presidents' wives. <laughs> at least. At least. Um, at least. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we got Jesus fish out of the way. Is there okay. anything else we got to get off our chest? So we got to talk about health care. <laughs> That's small. I mean, are you sure this isn't a full episode? (laughs) You're right. We do have another topic, so we won't linger too long. But, okay, first of all, there used to be, there was, there was a golden age where Mm. everyone had their own political beliefs. And we all thought, just go vote. I don't care who, go vote. That used to be. Now I'm very firm that... I don't even like the Democratic candidate, but that's the least you can do. <laughs> the Republican candidate, that's the devil. That's the devil. And I'm not, I don't even think that's hyperbole anymore. I think that's accurate. Anyway, so healthcare. First, I want to talk about uh, our elders. Love our elders. They have so much wisdom to offer. <laughs> but when you vote for the Republican candidate and then you are upset, that you don't have access to health care. I just want, I want to politely massage the back of your head and go, oh, honey, you're so stupid. <laughs> Why did we do this to ourselves? It's because uh... health care is so broken. So I'm a nurse. And also, I love everybody. But um, <laughs> she says, mustering I, as much. <laughs> I goodness. mean, right now. I have patients who call me with emergencies and they're afraid to call 911 because of an ambulance bill. Like, that's the society we live in. People are afraid to call the ambulance. They're like, I'm going to drive myself. And I just am like, honey, I cannot emphasize enough. If you're having a heart attack, you you will not be able to drive your car. You cannot drive your car. Oh my gosh, greatest country in the world, everybody. Mm. It's just, uh, I just, I'm, I'm upset because I think we all know it's an issue and, and everyone thinks it, it's become a, it's a political, like it shouldn't be polarized politically. I think we all should realize that this system is broken and we need to try to fix it because no matter how we fix it, it's still going to suck, but we should try. Well, and everybody's been led to believe that if we like in some way, shape or form, do more socialization to Medicare, to, to like Medicare, or if we do completely universal health care in any capacity, which is what we should do, mm-hmm. um, that suddenly the the taxpayers making less than $100,000 a year are going to foot the whole bill and blah, blah. I'm like, well, yes, if you continue to vote for Republicans, that is exactly what will happen if we do pass it and then they take over. They're going to find a way to screw people making less money. But also... Voting for certain Democrats, as we've learned, Kirsten oh, Cinema yeah. and Joe Manchin. And there's a lot more moderate Democrats. I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi ain't no leftist. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I, it's tough. Ageism is a real thing, and it's bad. But yes, also, it is. when you hit your 80s, I think you should be forced to retire. I. <laughs> But at that point, I feel like they're just doing it because they enjoy it and not because they're actually doing great work anymore. I mean, like, let's take Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Love her. And was she still doing great work? Absolutely. She was doing excellent work. But because she stayed on for so long, she died during a Trump presidency. And then we got got a rapist. And (laughs) it just... Or was that the other one? I no, 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 no. You, uh, yeah, Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. No, Brett Kavanaugh no, was first. It was. It was. It was, it, yep. It, it was the Christian lady. We're right back to it. Um, oh but God. the, and the problem is, is that also because 
RBG was getting on in years. There were also some some rulings that she passed down that were also like your elderly like viewpoint on the world means that you're not very like forward or progressive thinking on certain things that we really needed you to be more forward thinking and progressive on. Um, I know. And I, Native American she's a rights. Hero. She's yeah, amazing. Like, and it's but just, also like she was watching court proceedings from her hospital room. I'm like, honey, you got cancer. Take care of yourself. Yeah, we, we and also like we need fresher perspectives at we this do. point in time. I'm not saying that we need like 20 year olds on the bench. I'm just no. saying that like some maybe not people in their 70s and 80s who maybe have gotten a little more fixed about the way they see the world, right? Absolutely. And and I don't. I want to say I am not for forced retirement. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> but. Uh, to keep that in mind for people as they age, like to, uh, um, well, and you work in home health now and most of your, of, of your patients are people over the age of 70. So you're seeing a lot of how a- after a certain age, your, your viewpoints and your ability to process things just changes. And they do. And I think we need those viewpoints in mm-hmm. society. I think they're valid, but we need a diversity of viewpoints. Yeah. I want to hear from the over 70 population. Absolutely. Especially since they're going to be most of us. <laughs> the United States is going to be mostly over 70. But we also got to hear from everybody. Every generation should have a voice, not just the older population. And the older population who, let's just be honest, also happens to have a shit ton of money. Like they have all the money. They have oh, all the money. Scammed so much. Yep. Oh, well, that could be its own episode. Well, y- d- depending upon who they are, there are people who are in Congress who are doing the scamming. So oh, <laughs> there sure. are people over seventies in Congress. Yeah, but you're thinking of your patients and people who are just yeah. like regular folk, just trying to live, literally, yeah. just trying to live. And yeah, should they maybe not have given money to Trump in the first place? Absolutely, they should not have. But <laughs> the fact that they were being double or triple or quadruple charged, like even though I don't agree with their politics or the reason they did them in the first place, that's shitty and should not have happened. Oh, should I not know. have been allowed to happen. Like, I there's a little part of me wants to be a little schadenfreude, like, yeah, well, you get what you deserve. But it's also like, no, that should not have happened in the first place. Exactly. They don't understand a recurring credit card bill and they do not know how to stop it. Well, also, like, the fact that it was pre-checked. I'm sorry, like, now now we're talking about a Sam B episode. But, like, <laughs> just, like, recently, I understand why you wanted to do this now. This is cathartic. Uh, is. <laughs> I just need, we needed to get this out. Like, here's the thing. To maybe, like, bring us in for a landing on current events corner. Um, we, <laughs> The thing that we're really, really struggling with in a lot of ways right now is that we can't figure out where to, like, place our place our like our energy because there's too many cups that need to be filled too much and our cups are very empty currently so how do we pour from our empty cups into things that need our time and attention and focus they are trying to exhaust us and by they i mean the proverbial the the power the powers that be (laughs) literally do want us to be exhausted confused and not sure what to do feel very powerless and helpless and the best thing you can do for yourself is stay off of social media if it's starting to feel like it's bringing you into a like death trap of depression and inform yourself in a way that helps you feel like you have something you can actionably do, not just feeling despairing all the time. And I'm not knocking anybody. I do it all the time. This is more advice for myself that I'm trying to universalize. Um, but like that's that's my best piece of advice is like Inform yourself in a way that makes you feel like you have something you can do. That was wonderful. And then just the last thing I want to say is I recently watched a Tyler Perry movie. Hmm. <laughs> and I I love what he's doing. I don't necessarily think every movie he makes is a gem. Um, but <laughs> I love that when you watch a Tyler Perry movie, it's all people of color. And you feel so bad for that white assistant. Oh. That poor white assistant. But doesn't... Get me my coffee, damn it. Don't they kind of deserve it, though? <laughs> she, she did. Karen had it coming. She really did. No. Um, but so it was funny because I was with my family for Easter. And uh, so we watched a Tyler Perry movie, All People of Color, great movie. And then you watch a normal Hollywood film and you realize, like, we haven't come around. 
women of color are being uh, attacked and marginalized more than any other group. So I felt like there was an act of anti-racism in that movement, too. And then you watch, like, a Hollywood movie, and you realize nobody has learned anything. This movie is still not diverse. No. And and the the problem is, is that it's a cycle, right? Something terrible happens. There is mm-hmm. a period of outrage, which then becomes kind of virtue signaling. People get exhausted and pulled in other directions, which is deeply human and also a major part of why nothing changes. And then it starts all over again. And we've seen yeah. it time and time and time. I'm not trying to be like, like nothing can ever change, but it's just the, the thing that needs to change is we have to break that cycle in some way, shape or form. Exactly. And then also, too, I just want to acknowledge that I know as white people being outraged about this, that in itself is almost offensive because people of color are like, you're outraged now. (laughs) (laughs) Now? Now is the time? (laughs) But at the same time, I think it's important as white folks that we stay outraged, that we continue to learn and grow and try to pay attention, I think, and, and hear those concerns. And that when people of color... um talk like are are still angry or were or not even angry is the right word but still saying like this is still a problem and then you see other white folks who are like what do you mean we had a march <laughs> you all had a parade matter. i put a black lives matter sign in my yard so in this house we believe we- yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a little bit that where it's like and we've talked about that before too we're like it feels like you're in a neighborhood that feels safe to see one of to, to see like a, a pride flag up or to see a Black mm. Lives Matter sign. It feels like a, a community where I'm not immediately as a queer person going to feel like, uh oh, right. This is not <laughs> this is not where I should be. But again, it's 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 only virtue signaling and it only is meant to make other people feel comfortable with you, but doesn't actually create that sign does not create any meaningful change, period. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. There's other actions you can do. Sure, put the sign up. That's fine. You like if that's what you want to do, do it. But also like donate time and money to something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Whatever, whatever you can, or like, like call out things when you see them. I feel like that's that that's a tough piece of advice because a lot of us aren't seeing a lot of people. Even you know what I mean with, with, with the pandemic, it's like we're seeing people a little less than we used to. But yeah, like really like jumping in and being like, I'm sorry, like. That's not appropriate. Why are you why are you doing that right now? And Right. And then when something does happen, also don't be the loudest voice in the room, white people. And that I think is the hardest part for a lot of us who do feel fiery passion about things. It's hard for me. I have so many opinions. Well, <laughs> so many opi- and also uh, like the the gift and curse of verbal processing. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're like we we are the easiest person in the room to start a conversation with. If if you just need to get a conversation going, we're also the hardest people to like route a conversation with because my yeah, brain is right. just like thoughts are just coming out of it and I'm trying to prevent them from coming out of my mouth, but until they come out of my mouth, I don't fully comprehend what I'm thinking sometimes. Exactly. This podcast is about jelly beans and we have not even gotten to them. We haven't even gotten to them yet. No, it's like, it's, it's really important. I think for us to have spaces where we can process, but know Mm -hmm. where those spaces are. And also like where it's like time to, step back and be like you know what let's listen to that person for a little while let's listen to them exactly sounds like not only i thought this was a good place to bring it up because it's kj and shim shams podcast so (laughs) (laughs) so uh, introducing our special guest no not today Uh, (laughs) jesus (laughs) she's here she's here Uh, and she's pissed she's pissed (laughs) (laughs) she's got something to say Hello everyone, KJ from KJ and Shimsham here coming to let you know that down below we do have resources in the show notes to help you get involved, websites that you can go to to find petitions to sign, places to donate your money, places to donate your time, people to support to help continue to make this world a better place. It's in the community-driven ways that we create change that we will find a better future. We would also like to point out that there were a few moments that we did lose audio throughout the recording of this. We think we fixed it for next time. We have to apologize for that. Hopefully it wasn't too distracting if you noticed the weird moments of missing audio. Thank you so much for listening. We love you so much and enjoy the rest of the show. 
All right, but I do actually want to introduce our special guest. It's KJ. Oh my goodness, <gasps> it's me. <laughs> of KJ and Shim Sham. So of KJ, KJ and Shim Sham. I wanted to interview you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to interview you today about horror movies. Oh, I love that this is like where we're coming after that full conversation <laughs> that we just had. <laughs> also. Speaking of racism, let's talk about scary movies. Well, let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, first I want to ask, when did you first get into scary movies? You know, it's funny. I told Jay that, Jay's my partner, everybody, for those of you who don't know. And um, I told Jay that, gay that this is, yes. yes They're yes, not yes. gay married. We are not. They're um, gay living together. We are gay living together. Jay's my roommate. <laughs> um, and I was telling him that this is what we are doing today and that you were going to ask me some questions about this. And Jay, and we, we were sort of processing a little bit. And I was like, Jay was, Jay was like, yeah, for me, I like started get getting into horror movies a little later and it was like a a thing that like pumped me up like I got through that it was like oh excuse me Blech. um it was like I got through that I I like like an adrenaline rush of I powered through something that scared me and for me I'm not going to lie I was like 7 years old and catching like spooky things on the TV and yes having nightmares but coming back for more <laughs> like I I was all like I remember the first time I saw like it was on like a later night TV type of type of a thing. I was flipping through channels and The Exorcist was on. Oh my god. And I was like 9, 8 or 9 and it was the part where Linda Blair like crawls backwards down the stairs and that image stayed with me for a very long time but I was like I need to see the rest of this movie. I didn't see the rest of the movie for a while. Um I I only watched parts of it that night, but I saw it at a pretty young age. The Tim Curry Pennywise um tv tv maybe for tv and that like that i loved that and i thought it was one of the coolest things i'd ever seen and kind of tame by today's standards in a lot of ways but like weird and ethereal and creepy is still to this day um because it's kind of lo-fi and that really like I, I my dad owned a bunch of stephen king books and i would just take them off the shelves and read them i read every single goosebumps book i was obsessed with um, okay, our, so your horror interest is not just movies, then. No, um, in fact, it started with books. Okay, um, I really, really like. Like I said, I loved the Goosebumps <laughs> books. Um, I was really into Are You Afraid of the Dark? That was probably like the first thing I watched continuously. Are You Afraid of the Dark was a television show on Nickelodeon um, from the early '90s through the like mid late '90s, and then it came back as a new iteration for a couple of seasons and. It was something that, like, I caught every day that I could. It was one of my favorite things to watch. It scared me. It made me laugh. It was, like, ch- like cheap and chintzy sometimes, but I was really enamored by that, especially as I got older and started understanding camp. Um, and then... Well, and actually, now that you are talking about it, a lot of horror is made for children, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, especially, like, our... We, we grew up in kind of the golden age of, like, spooky things made for children. There was Ah Real Monsters, which I wasn't supposed yeah. to watch, but watched. Oh, that movie is, or show is so weird. It's weird I and bizarre. It. But it is, it is, it is so interesting. And, like, they use toenails it, as money, right? Toenails as money, and, like, <laughs> they're all, like, there's bizarre, like, the humans are only in the show for, like, the shock value of like monsters are real. Um, and it's just, I loved that. I loved Rocco's modern life, which, which also kind of went into like weird ethereal, like existentialist, like bizarre, like terror sometimes. And I loved that. But Um, like goosebumps was made for kids mm -hmm. that are you afraid of the dark was like, there was quite, is there anything else you can think of? Um, trying to think of other like movies I watched there were there were a lot of movies that had like family movie value I loved Gremlins I thought Gremlins was a really interesting oh, yeah. movie and it was like a horror movie and like Labyrinth movie. was made kind yeah. of for kids Labyrinth too. well because Jim Henson Company I also loved The Dark Crystal which was also oh, technically yeah. a children's movie and that movie scared me the Skeksis were terrifying <laughs> but I would weird. but I would watch it I also like we bought the VHS of uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas and there is video actual home video footage of me sitting in the living room singing along 
to the to the songs while they're on the screen. Like <laughs> I really liked that movie, and we watched that one until it, we couldn't watch it anymore. We loved Mary Kate Nashley Olsen's Double Double Toilet Trouble. Yeah, <laughs> we loved that. We watched it every Halloween. Like I've been obsessed with these things since I was. Really oh, and young. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. That, yes, that movie was funny, but actually it got a little dark. I mean. They they made them dance until they died. They suck the soul out of out of children. Like they they suck the soul out of a child. Um, like that's it's a concept you don't quite understand until you're a little older and you're like that is dark. Um, but it's but it's also like it's campy and it's fun and I think queer people. I'm I'm for me personally as a queer person, horror films sort of represent this like othering that people feel and sort of like authority and power overcoming that type of a thing my very first horror movie that i was like this is a franchise i want to stick like sink my teeth into were the three major slasher film like like tri- like movie like sagas of the 80s we had uh, and also the 70s halloween friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street i was Around, like, 7th and 8th grade, I started catching, like, the Spike TV marathon of Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th during the summer. And I was like, I'm not supposed to be watching this. And I know if somebody walked in the room right now, they'd be so upset that I'm watching this. But I'm home alone and you can't stop me. So (laughs) that was the attitude because it was, A, defying authority, but also these, like, young, attractive teens that at the time I was like, "Mm, he's nice. Uh, (laughs) Didn't know why. I'm not sure why. Um, And also there's a little bit of that kind of sadistic underneath it all where you're like these people who are like beautiful and dumb and obnoxious Mm -hmm. kind of like we're we're meant to. Yeah, (laughs) we're meant to feel like, oh, they're getting what's coming to them. And like as a queer person, sometimes you're like, yeah, you heterosexual nonsense. Like, (laughs) um, but uh, it it just like it was like a world that I was always obsessed with. I, I like dark things. I like things that feel spiritual. I like witchy things. And that's been my life for a very long time. And growing up Catholic, it's interesting because people are like, oh, those two things shouldn't go together. I'm like, anybody who's ever been to a Catholic match, it is a ritualistic, like it is, it is crazy how ritualized a Catholic mass is. And and Catholicism itself is, I mean, you're constantly seeing depictions of Jesus on a cross. Dark, grotesque, like, images. I had dreams about, like, the crucifixion around Easter time when I was a kid. I've been to churches before where I see, because you'll see all, sometimes you'll just see crosses, and then sometimes it'll just be, like, Jesus on a cross, and it's not. But I've seen uh, crosses where they actually show blood around the crown. Oh, yeah, the church I went to, yeah, there was was blood on Jesus's forehead. There was blood on the side where his side was pierced. And also... I'm sorry, as a young, like, up-and-coming queer person, I was like, and this attractive swimmer's build um, Mm. on a scantily clad individual who also looks like he needs my help. Uh, (laughs) 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 Like, it's really, like, it's, it's weird how, like, there's there's these like conflicting messages. Um, it would be great if Jesus wasn't always white in Catholic churches because Jesus was definitely not. Um, first, Jesus spoke the chosen language, American. American, um, <laughs> and it's <laughs> the language of God's chosen people. Oh, sure. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it 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 takes me back to that time because also like incense and myrrh and like all of these like yeah. very and also like. <clears throat> The the almost like seanciness of a Catholic mass, you're like calling upon the spirit, and it's Catholicism and, is very magical. Oh, absolutely, because most don't religions believe, are. Don't they believe the Pope can talk to God? They believe that the Pope absolutely does talk to God. They yeah. also believe that water through uh, AOL Instant Messenger. That uh, yes, um, <laughs> I believe God's screen name is no, uh, <laughs> but. They also believe in the transmutation of the body and the blood of Christ and all of that. Like it's, it's, uh, here's the thing. That's all very witchy. And a lot of those rituals are also, we will never know the exact like ways in which all of this all came together, but they were also working to, early Christians were working to get pagans who had specific rituals to come and like pay essentially lip service to their church until they can meld the two together. We don't know all of the ways in which 
ancient traditions melded together to become the current iteration of a Catholic mass and the belief systems, even though everything comes from God, correct? But no, like, so that was my upbringing. Yeah, so when you're you're kind of saying modern modern Catholicism is very pagan, so it's very witchy, and in in some ways, yes, like it's, uh, which I know we uh, at least one of our listeners is going to be outraged by outraged. what we just said, but it's uh, but it it is kind of true that most most religions that have any kind of like ritualistic anything, like you're you're diving into essentially like it's it's all magic. It all it, that's what it is. And that's why for me making the the leap from Christianity over to like more pagan beliefs and more um humanist ideas and spiritualist ideas was not that hard in a lot of ways. But like letting go of Catholicism and all it did to me is still a a a, a process. And that's where I think some of my love of horror films kind of watching the morality play out on screen because that's what a lot of it is their morality plays it's like they transgressed they must die like that's very very catholic that's very christian right and (laughs) so yeah it was like i'm just i'm just seeing i'm seeing god's will on screen Uh, okay so (laughs) so one thing i struggle with is i love creepy ooky spooky ghosts absolutely and i and I hate violence and gore. Yes. And so I often, I, I'll go to the violent, gory things because they combine both elements. But I've always hated gore and I don't know if I'll ever like it. So tell me about that. What is the difference? And like, like is there a difference in yeah. horror? And then like, do you like it all? Tell me. So actually, this is really funny. The other thing that Jay and I were talking about is the fact that I like... Um, I have some genres I like to go towards, but I am really not that picky about my horror. I really like the genre on the whole. There are certain things that, like, I'm not into torture porn movies. Like, I really struggled with Hostel, and even sometimes the <laughs> Saw movies got a little much for oh, me. Oh, Saw. Well, actually, I, I started to get into well, Saw. the though. earlier Saw films I love. And then as it went along, it sort of like it got a little bit more into that torture porn place. Also, like the original Cabin Fever, which I loved because it had Ryder Strong in it, also got a little bit like body horror-ish, which I I have a love-hate relationship with. I'm like What is body horror? So body horror is anytime the body is like changed in any specific way. And mm-hmm. like infectious disease movies which is what um cabin fever is sort of have body (laughs) horror elements there's this very famous scene where one of the characters is in a bathtub and she has the like flesh-eating virus disease and she's shaving her legs in the bathtub and you're watching as bits of her skin are being shaved off with the razor (laughs) and she just keeps going because she's kind of like processing in her head that i now have this disease and i'm going to die was it necrotizing fasciitis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what? That might be the uh, the the appropriate term. Um, okay. But like, so that style of film, that kind of violence can be a little hit or miss for me sometimes. I sometimes really need to put myself in the mood for that. But when mm. it comes to like ridiculous slasher horror type of things, I love a good camp value. Something that yeah. is both like kind of fun to watch. It's a little bit like there's there's a little bit of smirk, a twinkle in the eye with how it's directed. But mm-hmm. it's also like serious. There are people being like brutalized on screen. Like it's horrifying. But you know it's not real. That's the thing is that because it's not real, it feels almost okay and like a weird catharsis in some way, shape, I know, or form. I, I think I sometimes forget that. Have you seen, this is a little off topic, have you seen the sitcom Call Me Cat? With um, no, I have not. Anyway, all all I want to say about it is at the end of every episode, they very cornily wave and bow on stage, like acknowledging that this is a theatrical production. Sure. And I almost wish horror did that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, end, like everybody to... <laughs> bowed because I'd be like, okay, they're okay. No one's they're dead. Okay. No one's really dead. Yeah, and no, I I get that. Here's the thing, I think more people should give certain types of horror a try but it is really it can be really like difficult to stomach some of the things and i have a pretty cast iron stomach for it um but you're also right like i think with the gore i don't like the gore but there is a part of you that's like i watched that movie it was mm-hmm. horrifying but, <laughs> but i, I did it. it well and then there's movies like um, Inside, which is a French film that was remade in America, but watch the French version if you're going to watch it. And 
Um, pardon me. It is this um movie about a woman who's by herself at home on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, and she's very pregnant. And somebody, this 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 other woman, is trying to break in, and you you think it's going to be a home invasion movie, and it turns into something more. And because it's a French film, there's this I, I believe it's Grand Grand Guignol um kind of kind of an idea where like the gore and the blood is considered high art. It's like being held to a very specific artistic standard okay. to show it in this way and. The I'm just picturing are... picturing the fetus smoking and be like, do what you want. Well, yeah, yeah, do what you want. No, <laughs> um, let me just tell you this much. There's a tracheotomy that a character has to give themselves. Shut up. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about, where it's like they, they go there in a way that I think like American films are more about the sensationalism of it. And in certain other countries, when they go to that really intense place, there's a kind of like a story and a purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. And I do think sometimes Hollywood films can get a little bit like what's going to put the butts in the seats sometimes, <laughs> and especially recently. And there was a, a whole period of horror films in like the late two thousands, like mid to late two thousands that were like, well, it worked for the ring. Why can't it work for all these other films? And then there was like this line of like remakes of J horror and K horror. And like, I just so so when I when, when I talk about genre I'm all over the place right now. When I talk about genres of horror films, like we're also talking about like cultural nuances between different countries that create horror and different oh. and, and different like cultures that utilize their like horror and scary and ghost kind of movies to make specific statements. And there's often morality at play, there's often like right and wrong, good and bad and the kind of gray area in between. Um, that I find really interesting and fascinating. On top of also, I want my heart to get up. I want my heart rate to get up. It is a little bit like, to, for lack of a better word, there is kind of an addiction quality to it where you're like, I, I'm chasing that specific feeling. Well, re- you're probably getting a rush of epinephrine and norepinephrine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's exciting. It, I think that definitely is part of it. Um, okay, so if you... What are some horror movies see? Okay. So I so this is really interesting because there are there's the whole line of like movies that are like obvious, right? Mm-hmm. There's like you gotta see the big ones, you gotta see Nightmare on Elm Street, you gotta see like like the things that started it. I usually say if you want a horror anthology or not anthology, but like a horror series that is super fun to watch. I always say watch the Scream franchise. Also, if you want a snapshot of what was big in pop culture at the time it was made, watch the Scream franchise. Okay. Um, Do really, you enjoy all of Scream? I enjoy all of them. Scream 3 was a little rough because I think they were trying some stuff that didn't work. Um, and is Scream really scary or is it camp? I would say the first one and the second one have elements of like if you've never seen it before and you are not into horror movies, they're going to get your heart rate up. By three, and four, is and five. Drew Barrymore okay? Uh, Drew Barrymore <laughs> wanted to be killed in the first scene. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, and Drew Barrymore is. She's in the background of that other weird movie uh, <laughs> that we were watching. We we're like, Drew Barrymore's in the background. She pissed. Um, she's so mad. She's so okay. mad that they killed her off. Um, but okay, <clears throat> one second here. I actually started making a list here. Yeah. Do um, you agree? Should people see Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't know if I've seen it. Which? Yes, we watched it together. That's the one where the mom, we, we always laughed at this Oh, moment. she always she, she always goes up to a closet she, and she, finds alcohol. Yes, and she comes out of the shadows in that one scene and invites a cigarette. <laughs> because here's the thing. Ronnie Blakely's acting at that time was very indicative of like 60s and 70s acting. Over-the-top okay. big movie acting. Whereas... The the movie itself had kind of started like movies had started to tamp that down a little bit in the eighties, okay. but what makes it really the stakes are super high and this woman is kind of also really struggling with this child who is like saying that somebody is trying to murder her in her dreams and the person who's trying to murder her is the one that she murdered, like you know what I mean? Like they helped burn this man alive who was also they they don't talk about but he was a pedophile he was you know he was sexually assaulting children they don't really talk about that because they didn't want to get into that too much so it's all subtext um <laughs> i only but, laugh because it's like we don't want to get into it it's the whole thing i mean kind of yes but okay so in genres 
Um, If you want a, like, movie that's going to make you, like, super uncomfortable, but also kind of looking into, like, queer tropes a little bit, Mm -hmm. Hellraiser. Hellraiser gets into, like, BDSM. I haven't seen Hellraiser, but it is a cult classic, It is, and it's really, really interesting. The the series is really fun to watch. And it is sadistic, but it's also, again, there's a little bit of that camp. Um, If you like vampire films and you want a little bit of queer... Like 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 undertow, um, the hunger with Susan Ooh. Sarandon and um, David Bowie and oh. Catherine Deneuve, just sexy, hot, just like ugh. Is David Bowie a vampire? Yep, David Bowie's a vampire in it. Except for are they evil? Because that's interesting. Vampires nowadays are considered almost like tragic figures. Like they have this hunger they can't quench. We feel bad for them. Whereas in the past, vampires were just monsters. Well, in this (laughs) film, they are kind of sympathetic, but it's also like vampires fuck. Like that's that's what this movie is. It's like the hunger. It's a it's, it's oh, a double okay. entendre of like oh. it's also this like weird '80s fever dream. It is so cool and so like finger on the pulse of what was gonna like really get people going at the time. It was fascinating film. Um, uh, modern horror films. I mean, really getting get into the works of of Peel. Uh, you got to get into a uh, Get Out. You got to get into Us. Oh, you gotta get, get into... Out mm-hmm. was was good and oh, interesting. Jordan Peele, yeah, no, like really, really interesting nuance, like conversations about race, conversations about like people of color in horror films, particularly black people in horror films. Um, yeah, because it's a it's like a trope, right? That uh, who's gonna die first, the black person. Yep. And it's because, like, sacrificial lamb type of thing. They are, like, the most vulnerable person in the cast because of their social status. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Perceived Mm -hmm. social status. And in Us, we see this black family that is trying to kind of, like, keep up with the Joneses a little bit, right? they've, They've made it in a certain type of a way. And there's this juxtaposition of, like, these white people that are in the same socioeconomic class where you're like, I feel yucky. Like, I feel yucky listening to you talk. And then there's this whole other symbolism going on throughout the film that you have to kind of watch it multiple times to see. Um, if you like total mind warp movies, I mean, A24 is constantly putting out some really fascinating, interesting films. They did um, Hereditary. They did Midsommar. Okay, we got to did... talk about Hereditary. <laughs> so here's the thing. <clears throat> I thought that movie was... Um, I thought every single thing in it was done brilliantly and it's like almost perfect and I hate it. <laughs> well, because it doesn't make you feel good. You it's feel not, terrible. It's not a fun movie to watch. Right. And then at the time I was a psych nurse, so I was very much enjoying all of the um nods to um when you get on psychotropic medications a lot of, uh, they have a lot of side effects. Yeah. They sure <laughs> and do. they kind of showed that, but in like a really over the top crazy fashion. Well, because also by the end of the movie, you're like, was this just mental illness or was there a whole lot of other stuff going on? I know. And so like, I loved it, but at the same time, I don't know if I could ever watch it again. I have, we did recently rewatch it a li- about a year ago. And so recently ish, right. As recently as anything can be in this like hellscape we're living in. Um, and it, yeah, it's still smacked of like all the things I was like, my skin is crawling. My skin is legitimately know, crawling. Part of me thought maybe if you watch it again, you're less scared. And so maybe, it's easier to see all the things you missed because you were covering your eyes. <laughs> well, because we saw that together. You were in Minneapolis, I think, when we saw that because you came up for the drag show and then we went mm-hmm. to the Lagoon and we saw the double feature. We saw The Incredibles and then we saw Incredibles 2 and we saw her. I'm pretty sure you were there for that. Oh, no, was, I was. I was, was trying to birthday. think what the order was. It was it was Incredibles 2 and then oh, Hereditary. It should have been reversed. We, <laughs> we could have used a happy cartoon after Hereditary. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, we didn't. I mean, we knew we were in for something wild, but we didn't really know what we were in for. Um, so, and, like, the the thing about, about modern horror films is that there are more people giving perspectives. The horror genre has had people of color and queer people involved for, you know, a very long time. Mm-hmm. But 
horror films, much like a lot of things that we 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 know and love in this particular in this country and in this like particular timeline we're living in, um, very very white, very very heteronormative, yeah. and very very like. If there were people of color, they were tokenized. If there were queer people, they were props. You know what I mean? Or we're like, that effeminate man is going to die in a very queeny way, right? That type of stuff. Um, so it is. It, it's fascinating that, like, queer people love horror so much. And I think it's because we read ourselves into the horror mm-hmm. genre a little bit. But at the same time, we are not represented in the genre all the time. And do you enjoy like I picture Final Destination as a scary movie that's not necessarily very interesting or has a lot of meaning, but was kind of just made for fun. So they they were trying to make these really deep in the first like two. They were trying to make these very deep connections between life and death and how like uh-huh. death is around any cor- every corner and any number of like combination of things can happen and you can die. But like the the deaths are so wild that it takes you <laughs> it takes ridiculous. you from like 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 existential dread to what in the hell is going on here? Like what is what is <laughs> happening? And you're like horrified and laughing but also like could that happen to me? Like there's a lot going on. <laughs> so they're really fun to watch, but I think mm-hmm. the first couple they were taking much more seriously than Okay. Much like most franchises, they start off taking them very seriously. And then as it goes along, they realize, "Oh, like there's a lot of camp and fun here and we need to like relax it." Friday, I mean, Friday the 13th started doing that. Halloween, not quite as much. Halloween was always pretty serious. But mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, for sure, they were like, nope, we're camping this up. We are we are ratcheting up the camp and the goofiness with each movie. Because they certain directors came in and they were like, yeah, like why are we taking this so seriously? This is a ridiculous idea. But also, if you take it too far to humor, it stops being scary. Um, and... And that's where you get, like, reboots of films where they're like, we want to try this again and see if we can make it scary again. It often does not work. Um, <laughs> the Nightmare on Elm Street You know what movie, have you seen it, legit as a child, scared the shit out of me, was the ghost in Mr. Chicken. Okay, so I, <laughs> I remember that. I don't have clear memories of watching it, but I know I did. Because like, who's that actor? He was famous in his day. I can't Hold remember. on, we're looking. We're looking. Please hold. <laughs> that actor is Don Nuts. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Okay. So if you haven't seen it, honestly, I, I don't think I'm this almost I think the scariest thing that happens is a piano plays by itself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not that scary. But that, I liked that movie. We should almost watch that. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. But if anyone's, let me know if that scared you too. Because that scared the crap out of me. And looking back on it, I, I think that's the scariest thing that happens. Is a piano plays on its own. I mean, there are a lot of movies like that where like nothing really happens. But the fact that nothing is happening and you feel like something should be is mm-hmm. part of the the horror, the dread. Um there are there are older films from the '60s like um, the House on Haunted Hill and The Haunting, which have been remade. But the originals, because they're in black and white and they're grainy, and you can't really see what's going on, and some of the effects on an HD TV might look a little more janky than they would have on like an old like um, cylinder style TV. But they still kind of hold up because there's a weird otherworldliness to how they had to make some of those superimposed images at the time. And the yeah, fact how that... do you feel about the remakes? Are you a, I don't know what the word would be, but like someone who's like, doesn't like the remakes, feels like they cheapen the original, or are you on board, everybody make whatever you want to make? So I... <sighs> Do we have time? So the... And it probably, I, I imagine like most things probably depends on the remake. <laughs> I have found that a lot of things that get remade get remade by people who are trying to like put their own spin on something. And sometimes it works. And a lot of times it doesn't. Very, very, very seldom does it work. I think um, Jordan Peele's uh, like version of The Twilight Zone, which I still have to sit down and watch... Um, when did that come? I don't know if I've heard of that. Pandemic times, I'm pretty sure. I have to look that up. <laughs> everything, everything is a blur. But um, <laughs> but like, well, now I want to see it. 
but like a lot a lot of remakes like like i was saying before the um the remake of nightmare on elm street was a total flop it was terrible it didn't make any sense it was not well done um the remake of friday the 13th also wasn't great which is why when halloween kind of moved into newer things like rob zombie remade it and just like ratcheted up the violence and made it super duper violent and then they went back and they brought jamie lee curtis back and they kind of got back to the original timeline of events from the original series and these those movies have been wildly successful because they're taking the source material and continuing the story not trying to create an entirely new story which i was gonna say if if you're remaking something that people loved to add your own spin on it i think would be very dangerous (laughs) well it just it like like some people get really 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 upset what about halloween um halloween the fran isn't that a movie franchise Mm -hmm. So that's what I was just talking about. That's Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, um, that's what you were saying. Yep. Okay. So yeah, Halloween. Halloween has gotten m- multiple different iterations. Okay. That's what you were saying. Yeah, okay. and um, and here's the thing: like, queer people are making a lot of, like, they're there are a lot more queer horror films. Yeah, so not... what are some queer horror So I actually films? have a really, really good list here of some of them I've seen. Some of them are on my list. Okay. Um... So there's The Retreat from 2021, um, which is a lesbian couple. Uh, Renee and Valerie leave the big city to go to a rural cabin to attend a wedding planning retreat for their friends. But they ended up being they ended up being hunted. Um, so which there's sucks. Like, yep. There's the new Fear Street saga, which is based off the R.L. Stein books, but are much more adult. There's lots of swearing. There's lots of like really, really heavy violence in them. Um, and the reason I say it is because like these are books I read when I was 12. So like it's just crazy oh, to, to, to see the series okay. now being because the Fear Street books are written by the same guy who did Goosebumps. Fear Street oh. was his series of books for teenagers. So not okay. the ones written for elementary students and early middle schoolers. It was like written for people like between the ages of 13 to 16. Um, and there's a new set of movies, the Fear Street Saga, which are three films that center around the story of the Fear family. And it's super queer. It is so queer. There's people of color in it. It's like, yes, this is what I want. These are the things I want. And there's lots of bisexual lighting in it, which is just really Ooh. fun. That red and blue double wash. I love it. <laughs> um, it's very, very, it's very now in, in, in the way it's directed. It's, it reminds me of Euphoria in terms of style. Um which is just based off clips I've seen because I have not sat down to watch Euphoria yet. Um, there's also Knife Plus Heart, which is a uh, queer movie that I think is from France um, okay. that came out recently, which is this fascinating movie about I, this. It's like these these people who are in nightlife, basically. And it's very French. It's very, like, bleak and, oh, what is the point? Um, <laughs> but it's these young, like, beautiful queer people who – like all of this crazy shit start ha- start starts happening too, and it's like the serial killer who's targeting queer people, and it's just it's really it's this really interesting film that you do need to put subtitles on for if you don't speak French, um, but it is really really fun to watch. So there's lots of queer things happening. Netflix kind of tapped into the fact that a lot of queer people watch horror, and they've been producing a lot of queer horror. There was also okay. the Perfection, which is about these cello players who have this relationship that formulates, but they're also in competition with each other for like, I, I can't remember if it's like the top chair or spot in this, or it's very, but it's like, it's very queer lesbian erotica type of stuff. Ooh. Like a lot of queer horror films are also very heavily based on like sex and relationships, mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not saying that hetero heterosexual like horror films aren't, but it's a little more like sometimes it's taken a little more seriously because our, our stuff is sometimes just a little bit more serious. Um, well, well, KJ, our hour is coming to an end. Uh, so what are your final thoughts that you, that the listener needs to know? The need to know. Here's the deal. If you are looking for some things to kind of like get your feet wet a little bit, go back to some classics from the like 70s and 80s. Watch some things. If you want somebody who's going to help you make your way into horror films, but you don't have to watch the whole movie by yourself, there is a YouTuber named Alanda Parker who is incredibly funny, who has never been into horror films and just recently got into them during the pandemic and is watching, is filming herself watching them and reacting to them. Oh, and her fun. commentary is so fun. I'll link <laughs> her in the in the show notes. And you get to kind of watch part of the movie along with her and get her commentary. So that's a fun way to kind of move yourself into that realm. Um, and can you watch horror movies alone? 
I think that you should if oh. you want that experience of like really feeling like a teenager watching something that you know you shouldn't be watching maybe mm-hmm. um watching it by yourself is also if you can handle that is something that like makes you makes you feel like oh my gosh I'm I'm alone there's no one here right now there's no one here to kind of like besides the killer yep and the killer is here (laughs) also if you want something that's going to terrify you when actually nothing is happening try the first two paranormal activity movies if you want something that's just going to jump scare the hell out of you but also like pretty low stakes in terms of violence and like a lot of other things that make horror movies terrifying um and just like know know your limits with scary things if it's going to legitimately keep you up at night to the point where you can't sleep you don't like no one has to peer pressure you into liking something you don't like. <laughs> so, oh. but you know, give it a try. If you've never given it a try, you might find out you like it. And then you also might curse my name. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was wonderful. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I thought we covered all of the hot topics of the day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Maybe too many of the hot topics. <laughs> and of course, as always, Slancha. <laughs> I think we're getting better at that. <laughs>